to Dynamite After Dark. This is your usual host, Zanman Shane Sabuni, along with my good buddy, the Honorable Jeff, and we're here to talk about the very first pro wrestling show of, at least televised wrestling show of 2020, the first episode of Dynamite After Dark in the new year, and the first episode of Dynamite After Dark in two weeks, and <coughs> pretty good show, Jeff, do you think? I thought it was a great show. I love the fact that we possibly got our match of the year on the first match of the year. <laughs> I, those year two, so far, isn't it? It definitely was. And I, I, to be honest, these two have a great count towards the middle to end of last year. Code was both in our, our top ten. We just didn't feel like he had the, um, I guess, the book of matches to really get him in that top five wrestler of the year category. Yeah, you didn't but he was, in, he was in top five. I, I yeah I didn't think he uh, yeah I just didn't think he did but I mean those two put on a damn clinic to start the year I thought that was phenomenal press it's going to be hard pressed to get a, a better match out of anybody than we got out of those two yeah you know I, I really wanted to see Darby win but other than that you know I I did really enjoy the match I figured Cody was probably going to win but I really would have liked to see Darby take the victory you know Cody, I like the you know Cody losing a match is not going to hurt him any. I don't think at this point Darby losing a match is going to hurt him any either. To be honest, I think that he is he is a man on fire, and I think he's just continuing to get better and better and better. And the more I see him wrestle, the more I really this guy and think that he is deserving of a top spot. Eventually, yeah. I mean, not, he's not there yet, but yeah, he definitely no. is, is on his there. You know, one thing this show. Um, kind of brought to mind for me. Um, and I, I'm a little embarrassed, not only at us, but Walt Culture didn't have him in. None of the other Wrestler of the Year um, websites or anything that I saw had Pac or Pac anywhere near their top 10. He is one of the best wrestlers on the planet, plain and simple, and he proved it again tonight. He is, and he, and he was the champion of um, Dragon, Gate. Dragon Gate for two thirds of the year or so. But that's the problem: is it was in Dragon Gate, and, no, and it's not a it's not a widespread promotion. They do have their own streaming service, but not it's, it doesn't have very good numbers. You know, I don't. I think he flies under the radar a lot simply because of that. And that's sad because he is legitimately one of the best wrestlers in the world, and it's it, hard to say otherwise. It is, but last year, you know, you could say the same thing about Walter. You know, because Walter was in uh, WSW for the most part, and he had a great acclaimed run, but he wasn't in our list of the top ten wrestlers simply because we didn't get to see him very much. That's true. And this year, I mean, he started on, um, you know, with Defiant and then quickly came over to NXT and probably um, turned a lot of heads then. But you're right. Last year, he was not anywhere where anybody that didn't have the desire to search for could find him. Right. And that's, and that's the thing is that, you know, you can, you can hear about all these hot wrestlers, but, um, 
and and they could be doing great stuff, but if you're not if you're not seeing them, you can't really rate them on that. Um, which is a perfect example of both Will Osprey and uh, Ricochet. What two three years ago? Yeah, they were in that same boat. Yeah, well, it was it was about it was about the same time that he <coughs> was leaving WWE. So what was that like 2016? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, because it wasn't until. Um, they, I mean, they had an internet classic that lit the world on fire because it was just this ridiculous poetry type match. But otherwise, it wasn't until they both really caught on in NJPW that people figured out who they were. And then, you know, if you didn't realize that Ricochet was the guy under the mask on uh, on Lucha Underground, you kind of missed the boat on him. You know, there was just there was a lot of great stuff to watch by those guys a couple of years ago, and you're right, we ne- we never saw them, so we didn't know. But it, it just it, this match here, and then every match that we've seen from Pack since he came to AEW has just been outstanding. And even his run in Defiant, and you know some of the stuff he did outside of AEW last year was just it was amazing stuff. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he, he's been great, no question. You know. Um, Definitely should have been in some that, that I thought about in my in my top ten. Yeah, I'm I'm embarrassed that I didn't even consider him, to be honest. Well, but regardless, I mean, we opened this show. I mean, let's get back to talking about this show. We opened it with probably the wrestler of today against the wrestler of tomorrow, basically. I mean, Darby Allen is just he's so fun to watch because he's. He's not, and I think we said, well, I said it, I know, um, at their, their match at Fighter Fest. He is what Jimmy Havoc always wanted to be, and he continues to prove it. He's a very sound technical wrestler. He's smooth in the ring. He sells very well, and then he mixes in some stupidity along with it. He's, he's a very, very, very talented guy, and I think he's going to go a long way. And if he continues to put on classics like this against Cody, he's going to prove it. He's got great charisma. He's got great look. Um, he, he can stand at, at a few pounds, but you know, um, but he does. You know, he does have great charisma. He does have have a strong look with the makeup and and uh, you know the gear he wears. Um, I love his entrance theme. Um, I love yeah. I love his wrestling style. I, he's got it all, man. I really enjoy him, and I and I do think he's going to be a, a major superstar in the future. You said something interesting about Cody, though, that he's the wrestler of today, and. And I and when I look at at the guys, you know, the, over the last year or so that have put together these incredible psychological classics in the ring, Cody has just become an amazing storyteller since he left WWE. Well, I mean, and with, in WWE, with, he, he had he had his moments, but since he left WWE, he's had so many of them where he just put the, put together <coughs> these classic matches. And well, you know, he, he's one guy that I think you know WWE, if they were if they were, if they cared about wrestling, would look at that and go. How do we let this guy get away? How do we not let him, exp- you know, uh, spread his wings when he begged us to? I think you kind of said it um, when you talked about Darby Allen. Darby Allen is a similar build to Cody, where they both could stand to put on, you know, ten to twenty pounds of muscle. I mean, they both are very. I mean, granted, Darby is a little bit lighter in the frame than Cody is now, but Cody is not that huge uh, bodybuilder type wrestler. And, and Darby Allen's got kind of the same build to him Uh, with the, I, 
Cody and his his run with the uh, U.S. title in or was it the U.S. or did he have the Intercontinental? I can't remember which. But when he had the mustache and he had the face mask and you know he was trying you know to protect his face all the time and his run with Sandow and all that I thought was one of the best in the world at the time. But he quickly got swept under the rug after the whole Sandow feud, and then he got put into the tag team with his brother, which was you know, heartwarming and all that, but then got straddled with that Stardust character. After he left in 2016, it's hard to say there has been a more complete storyteller and better, not just in-ring performer, but out of the ring, he has been phenomenal as well in Cody. He's been he's been on fire since he joined Bullet Club, since he tried to take down Kenny, since he, um, you know, went through their their whole feud and and the all the stuff he did in Ring of Honor and and now into we're a year into AEW essentially, and he just continues to get better and grow. It's it's hard for me to say we've had some flash in the pants. We had I mean when. He was having his feud with Kenny. Kenny was kind of rising to the top of NJPW at the time, but Kenny was also still not that greatest wrestler in the world type thing. Where the most, I, outside of maybe Okada, has there been anybody more consistent since 2016 than Cody? Maybe Marty. Yeah, but Marty had Marty has had a great run, but he's been kind of straddled with that uh, juniors gimmick. Uh, yeah, you know he he was, but but as far as consistently being strong in the ring, I would say uh, Marty, maybe Zack Saber Jr. But I mean they're they're all kind of in that le- in that same area, and then and then you know Kenny has been fantastic as well. Kenny's been fant- fantastic for the last two plus years, but. Well, not even, I I wouldn't even say last two plus years, probably last year and a half since his Wrestle Kingdom. Well, now now I guess it would be two years. It was his Wrestle Kingdom match against Okada that kind of put him on the map. And ever since then, he's been great. But before then, he struggled a lot with his storytelling. He did show in his match tonight the kind, the Kenny that I said six months ago that we need to count, or not six months, Jesus, six, seven weeks ago, that we need to count our blessings that we get to see a guy of his talent on in in the ring every single week. And he's, you know, he kind of showed more of that again this week. But you, it, know, it, you know, I would say Kenny has been great since Dominion 2016. So about three and a half years now. Okay, yeah. So we're we're looking at about the same about the same time that Cody really kind of came on. Yeah, because remember that year, remember right after Dominion, you know, that Dominion, he had that great ladder match against Michael Elgin. Yep. And then he had the, the run through the G1 right after that. And then he had his U.S. title. He put on that classic with Jay White. Right. Um, yeah. He, and then his 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 little feud against Hangman and his feud against uh, Cody and then the Bucks and all that stuff. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Cody, I, I these two have kind of over the last two to two and a half years have been the um, pun intended elite of the wrestling world. And since you reminded me of him on, on Monday night, I'm also going to um, say that aside from his injury, John Moxley has been right there with him too. He had kind of a subpar run in his feud with um, 
AJ Styles when uh, the chin was involved. How was that guy's name? Ellsworth? Yeah, but Moxley himself was fantastic throughout, throughout all of that. Yeah, he was, but at the same point, uh, yeah, fuck. I mean, I mean, I know, I, I know that I liked his match, his, his matches against Jericho a lot better than most people did. You know, I, I, I thought his his matches against Styles, all of them were outstanding. Um, his match against Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam 2016 was outstanding, and and very underrated. You know. And well, and was it was 2016 when he had that match? Um, that when all three of them when he uh, won uh, Money in the Bank. Yes. And then he cashed in later that year. So, yeah, you're right. Later that night, the, dude. Well, that's what I said, later that night, didn't I? Did I say year? I meant I meant later that night, you know. But, um, yeah, you're probably right. I, it would be those three. I can't think of anybody else that's been on a consistent level like those three have been for that length of time. Other than... Obviously, Okada. Right, and 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 it kind of coincides. And honestly, you know, I I love AJ Styles, but it kind of coincides with the start with, with AJ Styles' start of his downslide, as far as greatness in the ring. You know? But a lot of that with AJ Styles is his, you know, he's getting older. Well, yeah. It's it's hard for him to be the AJ Styles that was the best in the world when he can just he admittedly so can't perform the moves like he used to. So, you know, I w- and I would also say the same about um, Shinsuke Nakamura, you know? Yeah, because Shinsuke started to get, when he moved to NXT, I think he cashed in at the right moment because he was, he was hitting that age where it's like, okay, now I'm going to start my downfall. People forget how long Shin- Shinsuke has been in the wrestling business. And a lot of that's because he was in NJPW before they really became popular. Yeah, you know, you can't, you know... There's so many people out there that praise Tanahashi for his longevity and his greatness, along with, of course, the fact that he br- he brought NJPW back from near bankruptcy and, and uh, failure. He but, didn't do it alone, though. No, but he, he was but, but he was the top guy for uh, throughout a lot of that, and he was you know he was the guy bringing in the um, you know he was he was a guy drawing drawing a lot of the crowds. But we also have to look at the fact, but but you can't emphasize his longevity and greatness over that time, it, it doesn't mean anything if everybody else that came up with him was able to do the same thing. You know, Shibata wasn't able to. You know, Shibata's been out for the last, what, two? No, almost two years now. Yeah. Um, you know, with that with that concussion. Shinsuke, who also started, and, and of course Shibata went to MMA for a while, so wasn't even in pro wrestling for a while. And right. Shinsuke also is on a downslide. And, the, you know, those were the second the second batch of the three musketeers for NJPW. So, you know, I think wasn't it's Okada a contrast the... with Tanahashi that, you know, Tanahashi is still in one of those four pillar positions, but Nakamura, even, even if he went back to NJPW right now, would not be able to crack it. I don't think. I On the think... other hand, look how great Kent has been since he's returned. So. I think, I think Shinsuke, because Shinsuke was really the godfather of the, um, you know, that strong style that got over because people forget Shinsuke was one of the top guys in NJPW as far back as 2008, 2009. I mean, the guy's been 
a top superstar now going on 10 years. Shinsuke? Yeah. No, it's before that. It was probably like 2002, 2003. You think Shinsuke's been one of the top guys that long? Well, he came up with Tanahashi. So. Right, but it was Tanahashi really kind of set the bar and got there first, and then um, Shinsuke followed his lead with you know creating chaos and all of that. Right, but 2009 is when... Oh, no, you're... I was thinking Wrestle Kingdom 9, not 2000. Yeah, you're probably yeah, that was, on I mean, the right track, yeah. Sorry. 2000, Wrestle Kingdom 9 was what, 2014? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would have been 15, 14 or 15 because we're at two, Wrestle Kingdom 14 now, so. Yeah, it was 14, so, yeah. I, 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 miss, I, I was thinking incorrectly, yeah. 2009 is probably the right, the right time frame. And and that's when I mean Shinsuke became the leader of Chaos around 2009. He won his first title. There was his, uh, you know, he had his matches against uh, um, uh, Kurt Angle around 2009, 2010 when they unified the IWGP Heavyweight Title. Mm-hmm. I, he's he's been and he was a top top draw for at what at least five six years. In NJPW before Tanahashi kind of took that from him. And, you know, there's some debate that can be had about who the greatest WWE Intercontinental Champion of all time is, or who the greatest WCW United States Champion of all time is. It's Lex Luger, but, you know, there's some debate about that. But Well, that's uh, the WCW, not the WWE. Yeah, that's what I said, WCW United States title. But oh, I thought at, you said WWE. Okay. In NJPW, there's no question who the greatest Intercontinental Champion is in NJPW, and that's obviously Shinsuke. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, is there really a debate about who the greatest intercontinental title holder in WWF was, has ever been? Would you say, would you say it's Jericho? No. Who would you say it is? I, I'm Savage. Yeah, see, there's there's a big debate about that, because, you know, you could say Savage, you could say Jericho, you could say Christian... You could say Bret Hart. You could say I think I think it's a two dog race between Jericho and Savage, but I don't think anybody bought, brought more prestige to it than Randy Savage did. Randy Savage made that belt the top belt in the industry in in the WWF because Hogan Hogan was on limited appearances. He would show up only at at you know three four matches a year in the uh, you know three four in. Uh, in individual matches a year was usually only at the big pay-per-views, but Savage was the workhorse. He was the guy who who literally that when he was the Intercontinental title holder, that was probably the top belt in the company. And yeah, you can't I mean, that, you can't say that point, when Jericho then, had it. No, but but then you know, but then people carried on that tradition of the Intercontinental title being a great wrestler's championship. You look at Kurt Hennig. Um, you look at Bret Hart, you look at Jericho, um, you know, down the line. And there was, there's been some great Intercontinental Champions. So while, while Savage is probably the guy that, that established it as being, that, you know, definitely the guy that established it as being prestigious, you know, I don't necessarily know that I, would, that I consider him to be the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. I yeah, have, and, I have and, to really think about it, you know. And, that, and again, and, that's... And, and that's the thing. Is like, like with, with Luger, I don't have to think about it. With Shinsuke, I don't have to think about it. That's true. I mean, and both you and I have said this so, so many times. It's 
wrestling is so subjective to your own personal feelings and and um guys like savage are the reason why i started watching the wwf in the first place so of course he's going to have a little bit more of a soft spot in my heart and him as the inter- intercontinental title is when i started watching wwf you know before then i was an a uh, awa nwa fan um, but then when you see a guy like Randy Savage who goes out there and works the way that he did and sold the way that he did and was able to be that that just despicable villain, but at the same time draw you into every match, it, it's hard to it's for me it's really hard to look past a guy like that. Sure. And you know, and you know I started watching WWE right before he lost the championship to Steamboat. And that and that and that actually leads me to somebody else we didn't mention who could also be, you know, by the numbers considered the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and that's the guy that beat Steamboat for it, Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, that's just because he held it for so long. I know, but that's what I said by the numbers. Right. I don't know. He. Here we go. We we're getting distracted away from the show that we're actually talking <laughs> yeah, so, about. So but you know, and, and you know the the second match on, on this show tonight, <coughs> you know, I, it, it was a decent match. It was actually better than decent. It was, a, it was a really good match, but I, but I still have a real issue with these matches the way, the way that they're set up because it's like Chris Statlander just beat Brick Baker on the on this on the December eighteenth edition to be the number one contender for the women's championship, right? So yep. she she already had her ma- title match set for next week on Dynamite, and yet the second, third, and fourth contenders get a title shot before she does. I think. What if I read this right, and, I, and I'm trying to because I did read something about this where they had an explanation for it. It's like over the last um, couple of months, all three of these people held that number number one contendership spot at some point, and they never actually got their title match, and that's why this this was kind of thrown together. Oh, is that is that the reason for it? I, I read that somewhere, and I don't know if that was an official uh, AEW statement or if that was just something I read somewhere. But I did remember reading that somewhere where since uh, since Riho lost or defended the title again, or the last couple of her title defenses, the last couple times have been against um, the chick trying to be uh, uh, Freddie Mercury, the yeah. mustache chick, right. um, and. Since then, all three of these competitors have held that number that number one contender spot, but they never ever got their number one t- contender match. So they were kind of thrown into one, saying, "All right, here you go, you guys. This is a make good." Well, that's great, but 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 I mean, and and that's and I did have a criticism about about that before, as as you know, about the fact that I didn't think it was right that. You know, there was a number one contender match between Britt Baker and and uh, Hikito Shida, uh, Hiroku Shida. Is that her name? I don't know. Shida, I have whatever, no clue. Whatever her first name is, Shida. something. It's something Shida. Yeah, you know, and 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 then because Shida lost the next week to Chris Statlander, then all of a sudden she's out as number one contender. So it's Baker against Statlander for the number one contendership. I didn't I didn't like that whatsoever. Um, so so I can kind of see that, but at the same time. It's not really a reward to be a top champion when you have to face three other competitors at the same time as the champion, you know. True. I, I understand what you're saying, and I and I get that kind of logic. I guess I just I just don't like it. I'm not saying I liked it. I'm just saying that that's kind of the explanation I heard. The match itself was for a woman's match. 
a fatal four-way like that, I thought was really well done. Oh, it was, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm, I really hope that Statlander beats Riho for the championship next week, and then we get a, and then we get, then we get a match again between who I think are the two best women in the division um, for that championship at Revolution, which would be Sheeta versus Statlander. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that I would you're, be. And I'm not, I like Riho. I know you're a huge fan of Riho. But I, but I'm, I a huge, think, I'm a huge but I, fan but of Riho. But, but I do think Statlander and Sheeta are both better than her. I'm a huge fan of Riho only because she stole the show at the first four ever shows. Um, and she continues to put on really, really good matches and, and has a really high work rate. It doesn't, but I, I agree with you. There, those other two are better than her. Uh, and I would argue that um, Allie is actually better than her too. We just haven't gotten to see really Allie in action. I think Allie is overrated. I think she's good, but I think she's overrated. I think she gets too caught up in stupid gimmicks like this whole bunny thing, and we lose a sight of how good she actually is. Here's the moment I'm, I'm re watching. What's been my top criticism of, of NXT over the last several weeks? Uh, the women's division? No, it looks too polished. It looks too choreographed, yeah. right? All right. And that's yeah. how I feel about Allie when she's in there. I'm rewatching Dynamite because I um, I was babysitting the first hour and a half, so I kind of uh, it's not I was watching. Your own kid, dude. No, it's not my kid. My kid's oh. not here this week. Um, but one thing that caught me, and I forgot to mention it, is. The Arn Anderson, I had, I was so confused when I saw him standing there. It's like, what the hell? Why, why, why is he up there? And then when he was announced as the head coach, um, I was like, uh, okay, I thought you know DDP was that guy. But the ending of this match, this first match, when he kind of got up on the apron and, and you know pointed to his knees, and then Cody took that cue and and got his knees up for the coffin drop, it kind of showed me what Arn Anderson's role is and I if he's going to continue in that kind of role that's the way a manager should be not standing on the corner drawing you know drawing heat and all that stuff I mean a heel manager yeah Bobby Heenan slick you know all these guys some of the greatest ever but for a face manager that's the way a face manager should be the way that he was able to you know draw the announcers to him saying oh he's up on the apron you watch what he's doing because that's what a manager does they get up on the apron they cause havoc Mm -hmm. but for him just to be yelling and pointing at his knee and then cody to get his knee up i thought that was a really good take on the way a face manager should be yeah i liked liked that a lot i agree with you and it was nice to see him out there you know the other nice thing too is sammy guevara kind of stole this show he had two really, really great I, – I, I guess I don't want to say great, but when you're looking at a Sammy Guevara-type level where he's not that top-notch super superstar. I mean, you and I love his talent in the ring. We love his charisma. We love his character. But for him to come out and confront SCU and then get into that little spiff with uh, – what do you call him? The wrinkle guy? Is that what he called Christopher Daniels? I think so, yeah. And then, and then the the licking of the thumb and wiping on his uh, camera and all that stuff, I I thought he kind of 
he took his character to a new level but then the way he entered the crowd like crowd like moxley and set up the whole jericho interview i felt like as far as the inner circle goes he was really the inner circle tonight nobody else mattered I was glad I was glad that Sammy showed up to interview to, to interrupt that interview because you know what the number one thing that that that, that interview was doing before that before you boring the shit out of you <laughs> reminding me of the fact that SCU are the tag team champions for some unknown freaking reason and the fact that I think their gimmick has kind of jumped the shark since they uh, didn't win their contracts back a couple last year. You know, but but you know, I, I just, you know, you know how I've been about this about this whole like what I feel is like an over pushing of Scorpio Sky and, and SCU, and you know, I, I I didn't really need to see them this week. And as much I, I I know how much you hate or I not hate but dislike the Scorpio Sky push and everything. I think and we've talked about this before. I think Scorpio Sky is one of those guys who's really going to benefit from a heel turn and away for, and get away from SCU. I think once that happens, he's really going to show what you're hating and what other people are seeing. Well, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic because the last time we saw these guys, I was all about praising Scorpio Sky and you were all about dissing him. Right. Because I felt like he was flat. (laughs) (laughs) I just, (laughs) their match against the Bucks wasn't one of the best. But but absence did did not make my heart grow fonder for that dude, you know, just... I don't know. I, I I wish I could buy it. You know, I, I really I, like, but I can't. I really like what AEW did too with this whole resetting of the of the win loss. You know, they're keeping the rankings the way they are. They're uh, it, they're gonna care, continue to carry their overall records, uh, their mm-hmm. career records, but they kind of dropped it and set them all at zero for the year, kind of like the start of a new season. I like that. It's a it's a really it's something we've kind of all complained about, about how there should be an off-season and seasons, not just continual whatever. I really hope that at some point they actually explain how their rankings are done, because I still don't necessarily see it. I think there needs to be a set-in-stone type point system, kind of like the NHL does with their um, with their rankings, but... I like the fact that they kind of reset everybody's records. Well, you know, I, I also, I do, you know, I don't think they could do it like the NHL does because they do a, like a weighted rating system too, where, you know, you're a victory over the champion is going to be rated a lot higher than a victory over, um, you know, somebody with a losing record. And that's why I think they need to come out and officially put their, um, their ranking system out there so that we're not just go looking at it going, wait a minute, this guy has five wins, but this guy has two wins and this guy's ranked higher than this guy because this guy beat this guy. And it, it's just too confusing. Well, that's the thing is if they make it official like that, if they're explaining it every week, how they did it, you know, we're, they don't need to explain They don't need to explain how they did it. What they need to do is they need to put out there. Look, okay. If this guy gets a draw, like Jungle Boy did against the champion, that counts as like three wins. You know, or just, you know, I'm just throwing numbers out there. But if they did something like that, where they put, okay, here's the win a win is worth two points, a tie is worth one point, a loss is, you know, zero points. But if you get a win against this, the top champion, 
that's like three wins. If you get a tie against a top champion, that's like two wins. Yeah. You know, I just I, something. I don't. Think, I don't think that's going to happen. I no, I know it's not. That and, and I don't. And I don't even want them to do that. I, I, I understand why you do, but I, but I don't. You know, I, I think I it's just, good. I think it's good enough for them to, for them to tell us that the, that the wins are rate are weighted. Like you know, um, we talked about Chris Stanley just a little bit ago. Like she, like she beat Sheeta, and so she went from unranked to the number two contender in the company. You know? Right. And and then by beating Baker, then she you know then then she is the number one contender. What I don't get is how is how come Baker was a number two content number one contender after Sheeta lost. Then lost to Statlander, but yet she only moves down one space, and she doesn't go. She doesn't, doesn't go back up to number two. That's, that's what the, I'm saying. That's, that's the kind of thing that that kind of like puzzles me. But but I mean, I would I would like them to explain like why something like that happens, but not necessarily for them to give us like an overall like this is how this works in each you know given situation. I would just I would to be honest, I would rather have them just put a point system on it. It's like you win, you get two points, and that's how you grow move up the ladder. You know. It, to be honest, that's that's honestly the way I wish they would do it. It's never going to happen, but that's the way I wish. Now, I, I, that I don't because said, I do. I do think that you know some wins mean more than other wins. Yeah, and and yeah, and that's true. In real, in like sports, sports though, that's not the way it works. Like in in the NHL, in the NBA, in uh, you know NFL, baseball, even in stuff like uh, the. Um, Boxing. I can't think of the, the WBL or something. Um, it, well, that's, that's not the that's way that that's it works. That's not how it works in pro sports. But if you look at college sports, it does work that way. You know, like, for instance, like Duke was the number one team in the country, and then they lost at home for the first time in, um, like, 15 years to an unranked opponent. And all of a sudden that unranked. And then they, then they went from, from number one to number 11. You know, yeah. they, dropped, they dropped 10 spots. And the same thing happens in college football. Like, you know, if a, if a team, you know, if you, if you beat a high-ranked team, you move up the polls, but, you know, if you, and if you lose to an unranked team, you're going to move down the polls really quick. You know, and, and to be honest, now that I think about it, that kind of ranking system does work better in this type of um, situation where you don't have common opponents. It's with the NFL, with the NBA, with the NHL, in the WBL, even in UFC – you're slotted into divisions, so when you're ranked, you're ranked against similar opponents. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, you've got four other people in your division, so you know it's a lot easier to rank it. But in college basketball, you're not always your opponents are not always facing the same teams that you are, so it's a lot harder. So in, in that situation, a weighted win does make much more sense. And I guess in AEW, that kind of makes more sense too because we're not they're not at that point yet where there's divisions everyone is chasing jericho everyone is chasing the uh the tag team champions everyone is chasing the women's champions it's not like there's a a junior division or a um you know a, 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 just a solely tag team division and i and i think you also said that, that that it doesn't work that way in boxing but it clearly does work that way in boxing like you, like you could you can have a title match you know, you you can win a match to be the number one contender for a title in boxing, and you can and that match can be you know be negotiated and you're ready to have a title shot, and then all of a sudden you out of nowhere get beat get beat by somebody that you sh- that you were heavily favored against and you no longer have that title shot anymore, you know. Yeah, but in boxing and UFC it does work a little more closely to um, 
team well, sports. UFC, well, UFC is is totally <clears throat> different than boxing. Boxing is is run by a whole box. There is no like governing body for boxing like there is for UFC. That's the That's beauty true. of UFC is that. Well, I, and you know, we got to stop calling it UFC. Going from the ground floor and become you know the top, you know the top MMA promotion. They're all the fighters are controlled by the same company. You know, boxing is never going to be that way. And you know, in a way, we kind of got to stop. I mean, I yeah, you're right. You, you know, you're right because there's not. I mean, with MMA, there's UFC, there's Bellator, there's um, how many other smaller promotions? Where boxing, it's just everybody. Exactly. The, the WPL is literally everybody in the in uh, in on the planet that's a boxer is in the WPL. So. so how great was the final stipulation by <clears throat> MJF? <laughs> Every stipulation by MJF was great. I, yeah, but the he, last one where he gets to he gets to whip Cody ten times, and then yep. Cody can't even touch him. Nope. Or, or he never gets or he, a shot against MJF. No. Yeah, there there was so much. <laughs> MJF is as much as we've dogged him over the last, like you dogged him a couple weeks ago for coming out and saying you're uh, you're a pistol going up against a machine gun, um, and that statement. Well, you said he didn't deliver. You said if you're gonna if you're gonna say something like, like that, your your promo needs to be better than it was. Okay. Don't make me pull the tape. I'll do it. <laughs> there is no tape. I have digital tape on my laptop. I will pull that shit. Digital tape. Stop. Um, but he he again went out and put on another just amazing uh, promo. I, I love the way he works the crowd. I love the way that he is. He's smooth in his delivery, but at the same point, he's poignant and telling people to go fuck themselves without really saying it. Just his his movements, his mannerisms, uh, just the way that he he talks is just so condescending. But at the same point, just just really good at what he does, and it, the way that he kind of shush the crowd so that he and Wardlow could have this private conversation. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was just a fun little touch that he does that that type of thing that only MJF can do. And it's amazing that, you know, they've been together for such a short time but they can speak to each other telepathically that way. Right. It, it's really it really is. They're they're so such a great thing. They're in sync so, I, so well. I also really like to get off that MJF, and I know you're going to probably talk a little more about it, but um, I really like the Britt Baker heel turn. I like the fact that it wasn't... She turned heel? The promo that she cut on Rio. I totally missed it. Okay, they had a backstage promo, and... um, she really just kind of lit into Riho about how she's out there. She's the workhorse. She's the, she's the, she cut a heel promo about how Riho is not worth what she does. And, you know, she needs to start showing up more. And the fact that she just comes in, steals everybody's glory and then leaves. Um, it was one of those things where it almost felt like Brit turned heel without actually attacking the face to do it it was it was kind of a nice little turn in the way that heels are made where most heels are made because they attack the face 
and you didn't get that. She verbally attacked Riho. She didn't physically attack Riho, but it was definitely a heel promo that she cut. Yeah, well, you could you could definitely see the frustration on her on her face at the when the, as that match ended too, where you know she she ended up being the one that got rolled up and pinned yet again. Yep, um, and that and, that was the basis of her of her um, promo too. You know, and and the other thing is like you know as as much as I enjoyed that match, I, I'm still frustrated by the booking of of uh, Brett Nyla Baker, Nyla Rose. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. She, she, yeah, she got she quote unquote got her heat back after the match was over and by, by squashing Riho, but she's still, you know, making all those stupid mistakes that you know that supposedly you know you're supposed to learn from. You know, six months in, and she's still doing the same the same stuff in the middle of matches that cost you know to cost her. The coster, you know. One thing about that little she's attack. She's not that dominant force she should be. You know, she's not the Vader of the women's division like she should be. Well, and. That's I mean, and I was just about to say that it's it's tough for her to to be that when you have an awesome Kong kind of waiting in the wings to tear you apart. Um, it's also one of those things where I'm glad they're not doing, and I wish. Part of me kind of wishes they weren't pushing her as that man beast type type of thing, the way that they are. Um. But at the same time, I see where you kind of want her to be that monster because she's the bigger, she's the bigger of the of the division. And I know I just confused you because I confused myself because I'm kind of watching this match and talking at the same time. But well, I, I know, just you already saw, oh, not so you didn't watch it because you were babysitting. Forgot. Well, I, I mean, I did. I watched it. I saw the the ninety percent of it, but I missed. You know, there are some key moments I missed, and you know how much I like to have wrestling on. At least it's not WWE. I'm watching it now. <laughs> At least I'm not watching Raw. At least I'm watching what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but it's interrupting what you're interrupting the floor of you talking, and you're, and usually you're so eloquent and flowy. Well, yeah, you know that. I mean, I, that's that's how I base my life. Is you know, I'm so poignant and to the point, and I never go off topic or kind of sway mid sentence into something different. Um, what else do we have? What else do we have to talk about on this show? On this one, the elite. Um, first of all, uh, Adam Page may never wear a shirt like that again. Period. Ever, Why? especially not public. That was horrible. He's not okay. I get that he, that his whole gimmick is the cowboy thing, but I would rather have him a John Wayne cowboy than a Gene Autry con- cowboy. I don't need to see a dime store gimmick, 60s musical cowboy shirt on him, and then drinking whiskey. Well, if he comes out with a guitar, if he comes out with a guitar, then I'll have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need to wear a shirt like that. That was that was just embarrassing. Um, There's a but, with shirt. You gotta be kidding. Oh, that was terrible. Come on, this match in corner. I am the fashion police of AEW, and that was terrible shit. You're the fashion it was worse police than, of AEW. It was worse than the pink pants he wore that a couple weeks or red pants he wore a couple weeks ago. Someone needs to be in charge of Adam Page's wardrobe. I think somebody is. I think his name is Adam Page. Yeah, he's not doing a good job at it. He needs to hire somebody else. Because <laughs> this shirt was awful. Awful. Wow. I, I can't believe that you get so hung up on wardrobe like you do. Uh, when it's that bad? Come on. Oh, you know, one thing we... We'll talk about that. Um, 
But I don't want to forget, we need to talk about the addition of Taz to the announce team. Why? What was your thoughts? Well, he wasn't the first time he's been there. He's, he was actually on an episode of, uh, on the, of Dark. I, which I haven't watched yet. I just I haven't watched any yet, so I can't talk about that. What are my thoughts on him being added to the announce team? To being, an, I mean, I would rather have him replace Jr. than Tony Schiavone, and have Schiavone as the lead announcer, or um, even Excalibur as the lead announcer. But I actually, I guess my overall thoughts on it are that he's better now than he was when he was with TNA. Well, his run, his run with TNA is probably what made him this good. To be honest. What do you mean? His. He, I felt like he, he kind of hit his stride when he was with TNA, but that whole Aces and Eights gimmick ruined everybody. And I and even his announcing kind of fell by the wayside because of that. Oh, see, I always, I always liked him, him with Michael Cole as a, as a team. I liked him with Cole, but I actually liked him better with TNA. Okay. For some reason, I just, because it was Mike TNA and not Michael Cole. If I gotta choose Mike, Taz and not Don West. It's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. God, Don West was bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. He really was. Um, yeah. You know, I, I guess. I, I guess I'd like to see more of him before. I, before I actually, you know, espouse, espouse an opinion about it. But um, it was. It was nice to have him out there. I, but you're right. You're right. I would rather have. It'd be like, you know, Excalibur and Taz, I think, would be would be excellent together if, if Taz is this good on a week-to-week basis. Um, and even, but, you know, I, I really, I really would prefer that, always prefer, and I don't know if, I, if I've mentioned this before, or we have as a team, but I, but I would always prefer to have a two-man booth, as, you know, as opposed to a three-man booth. Yeah, we've talked about that multiple times, and I agree with you. I think in rare instances, a a three man booth will work. I felt like um, WCW in the in the you know ninety eight ninety nine when Tanay was that third guy. I feel like NJPW does a good job with it, but the way AEW is doing it, we've got three. We've really got three play by play guys. There's not one guy that is really doing color, and I think maybe that's why Taz kind of stuck out this week is because we finally had a guy doing color. I mean, Excalibur seems to be the lead play-by-play guy. And then Jim Ross does his little play-by-play, and then, you know, Shivani does his. But as far as a true color guy, we haven't really had that in AEW until this week with Taz. You know, there, there, but there was actually a part in this match. Uh, I can't remember what match it was in, but where Taz went to call something, and the action is like, oh, wait, wait, sorry, sorry about that, Excalibur. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, and that, I I caught that too, and I thought that was kind of a a fun little touch too because it's it, it's weird because I want my color guys to be color guys, I want them to be like a Tony Romo, and I, I hate when I do NFL references because you don't care about them, but a play by play guy does the play by play. He says, you know, great, hits him with a suplex, blah blah, and then the color guy comes in, and the color guy does the majority of the talking. And you don't get that right now with AEW. You've got three play-by-play guys who are fighting over who should talk more. 
and I, I, I really did feel like Taz kind of brought that different color guy element to it. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I wasn't paying that close attention to the announcing tonight, but you know, I, I, it was nice. You know, it was nice to hear Taz's voice. It was nice to have him back, at least for a one-off. But you know, as far as what I like going forward, you know, I, I'd have to see. I'd have to hear more of what he, of what the, of what he does with them. You know, before deciding, like, you know, what do I, what would I would prefer to them to do? Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I, I and I, yeah, I understand completely, and I kind of do agree with that. But um, I did groan at Jr. and his barbecue reference tonight. Um, I groan. He didn't talk about his Twitter stories, and maybe I, you know, I might have missed it because I was preoccupied with a five-month-old. Not my problem. Go ahead. They're loud when they bounce. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so I might have missed a little bit of the announcing, but um, at least Arlo, he just kind of talks and disturbs me for a second. Then he goes back to his own thing. But man, five month olds, they, they like in their little bouncy chairs, they're bouncing. There's fucking shit rattling and floors shaking. It, it's rough. Remind me to never do that again. Just I've never say asked it. my opinion about that kind of stuff, so how would I be able to remind you? I kind of think about asking you maybe sometimes. Yeah, and then you're like, no, because I know what he's going to say. He's going to tell me not to do it, and I'll do it anyway. So. Right, and then he's going to be mad at me because he gave me his advice and I didn't take it. Yep, you're right. You're right. That's why I don't talk to you about this shit. Don't get a cat. I like my cat when he's not in heat and not knocking stuff off my counters. Males not don't go biting into heat me in season. the middle of the night. And, what? Males don't go into heat. They go into season. <clears throat> this is not a male. It's a female. You said I like him. When did you become the grammar police? <laughs> uh, about what? how old am I? About oh. nine years ago. 39? Yeah. Man, you start reading early. Yep. You're only, what, 45, right? Are you even 45 yet? 44. Yeah, you're still a pup. <laughs> you're Wait a year get... older than me. <laughs> I'm a year and a half. <laughs> I'm 46. Okay. <laughs> Give me that credit, at least. Um, so, anyway. Uh, main event. It was nice to see the true elite... And when when everyone talks about the elite and, you know, of course, Cody gets thrown in there and anybody that was on being the elite. But let's remember, the elite started with these three guys. The true elite is Omega and the Bucks. Adam Cole kind of came in there and took over Omega spot for a while and Cody came in and then, you know, then they started adding Skrull and, and Paige and all that, but... We keep talking about the elite not being not being this uh, force, and then Cody pulls himself away from the elite. You had this big storyline with Adam Page and the elite. Um, I I don't I've never truly looked at all these guys as the elite. In my eyes, the elite has always been Kenny and the Bucks. Anyone else is just kind of an add-on. It's kind of like the end of the NWO. The NWO is always Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan. Everyone else is just kind of there. 
wearing a shirt. You know, I, I, I know we're going to stray off topic. And I know we're, and we don't like straying off topic at all on any of our shows, but... Oh, yeah, because we'd never do it, ever. Did you see now who they're saying is going to be the the NWO that's, that's being put in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I did, and I'm pissed off. Yeah, me too. X-Pac, really? I, I was okay. With, and it, part of it's my fault because remember when I said that if they're going to, what version should they go to? And I felt like if they were going to go to any version – it should have start, stopped with six because we could have had, at that point, you've got the original three, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hogan. You've got Ted DiBiase, the Giant, who the Giant deserves to be in the Hall of Fame just for the length of his career. The fact that he has been a focal point. He's been a multi-time champion on every show he's been in. He's... He actually, for his size, is a very damn good wrestler, and he's got longevity. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame. He's never going to get there as the Giant or the Big Show. Um, uh, The Dungeon of Doom is never going to get in. The Corporation is never going to get in. And if they do get in, it's not going to be Big Show. So if Big Show is going to get into the Hall of Fame, he needs to get in as a member of the NWO. No, he'll get in as the Big Show one day. You think so? Absolutely. I, but I hope but he does. Away but from the fact that the reason that <clears throat> Xbox was called six in the NWO is he was the sixth he, member of the NWO. Right. And that's why I the said he should have. Giant, and that's why it should be the Giant. No, Giant was the fifth member. Ted DiBiase was the fourth. Okay, he was the, the Giant was the fourth wrestling member of the NWO. Right, but because remember there was that episode when Ted DiBiase came out and he was sitting there in the audience and he counted to four and then he said next week five. And when he said four, that was announcing that he is now a member of the NWO and then the next week is when Giant turned and joined the NWO. Right. But you're right. I think if we're going to any iteration of the NWO, it needs to stop and and it's you know partly my fault. I think it needs to stop at six, but when you ultimately think about it, I think it needs to stop at the three. Right. I'm saying if I'm saying if there was going to go four, then it should have been the giant and not six. But definitely, I, I, but definitely, it should have been the just the original three. I I think are they? That, you know, I'm guessing that they're. I'm guessing that you know they bade to have Waltman join, and that's why he's in there too. But um, please tell me it, it that. The hell out of me. Please tell me that it's not. That Waltman's not going in, and the big, big show is you know the Waltman's going in, and the big show's not. Because that it's only four right now. If the big show and DiBiase do not go in, and they let Waltman in, I don't know that I can ever watch WWE, uh, WWE television again. Plain and simple, and that that Hall of Fame will be dead to me. And this would also mean make it the second straight year that the, that Walton has been inducted into the Hall of Fame. I don't. It, well, he had to be inducted as part of DX. I know. When but, you're but I'm when you're talking back years, he's being inducted. But if he goes in as a member of the NWO and they do not put DiBiase and uh, Big Show in there as well, God, I can't. I can't justify that Hall of Fame anymore. No, it, it's, a, it's a ridiculous thing for them to do. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, we got four months to find out, so. 
God, okay. now I'm, I'm pissed off. Thanks a lot for that. Now I'm not going to sleep tonight because of you, you ass. <laughs> well, I asked if you'd seen who it was, and you said you had. So. Well, I knew that Waltman had been added, but I, I didn't realize the other two hadn't yet. Oh, I see. Oh, and Moxley's spot with Orange Cassidy with the pockets. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> That's the kind of comedy and wrestling I want. I don't want to have complete comedy matches like Joey Ryan stuff. But this kind of thing with Orange Cassidy and him picking his spots like that, I, I'm really starting to enjoy. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, as far as that main event six-man tag, I really enjoyed that match. You know, I, I don't know what you know how, how much it means going forward, but I also like the fact that Paige kind of like, nah, you guys have your moment. I don't want to come out there and, and ruin your moment. Well, and he did say a few things on commentary that kind of led to it where he's, um, they asked him if he was, you know, done with the elite. And he said, I keep trying to be, but they keep putting me in matches with Omega. You know, that was, that was really a powerful moment by him where it's, that's, there's pages turning heel soon. It's going to happen and it's going to be against Omega. Um, and I think it's going to lead to a great series between the two. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that Revolution is shaping up nicely. You know, we've got Cody versus MJF. We have Jericho versus Moxley, most likely, and most likely we have Page versus um, Omega. Oh, and Jericho, if you really want to give that car away, um, I'll give you my address. We just talked about two days ago how you already have a shitty car for the, for this climate, and now you want a Ford GT. Are you kidding me? I just want the Ford GT. I'll park it in my garage for the winter. I don't care. I'll walk to work. I will walk to work. And I live 40 miles away from work. I will walk to work and park that son bitch in the garage just to have that car. Well, don't let Susan know you have it because she knows the combination for your garage still. No, she doesn't. I lock it. I changed it. Changed the locks. Okay. I thought you, I thought you, had, I thought you told me before that you had put the... I did, the but those... on the house on the garage. I did, but I found out this winter that those combination locks do not work well in the winter, which is great because I paid $180 for each of them. And they don't work in the winter. Well, my son doesn't have a problem with his, so you must have done something wrong. I have a drafty house, and you know they get frozen. The tumbler got frozen. It's not like uh, when it's a regular door lock, I can just hit it with an air dryer. Or a, 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 I've got a hair dryer out in my garage. <laughs> yes, I'm redneck. Um, just in case my door locks get frozen, I can hit it up for a few seconds and, and dethaw the tumbler. You can't do that with those code ones. Now next year when I build when I when I build my addition to my house and add on you know and connect it to my garage then I'm going to put a tumbler one back or I'll put one of those back on but until then I'm back to lock and key. Cool. That's the right way to go anyway. Um, no. <laughs> anything else about this show we want to talk about? Nah, not really. Right, it's a great show. It was. It was it was a great show. It really, truly was. It was the, one of the best shows I've ever seen to kick off a new year. And I may have gotten my match of the year already. We'll see. But I also said that about Walter versus Joe Coffey. Or not. I mean, um, Pete Dunn against Joe Coffey. Remember the card that we ran down on Monday night for this coming up this weekend? You know, I, I don't think we've seen the match of the year already. No, I think we have. I <laughs> 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 Anyway, guys, Patreon, 
um, please, you know, go there, donate to us. It's patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Uh, if you get into the $5 tier, you can hear our archives. $1, you can read any of the articles that I've written throughout the years. That $10 top tier is um, the one we're the most proud of because that's where you can hear exclusive content from us. There's nowhere else to hear it. You're not going to hear it on YouTube. You're not going to hear it on Lords of Pain Radio. You're not going to hear it on Spreaker or Blog Talk. The only place you're going to hear it is on Patreon. Uh, and that's uh, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. We do um, right now we're doing, we kind of took a break from our ECW breakda- breakdowns and Jessica Joan breakdowns to uh, recap some Ring of Honor stuff some of the old specials and old uh, pay-per-views and so that we can kind of maybe sort of remember why we liked Ring of Honor in the first place. Um, also, YouTube, it's another big thing. Someday we'll, we'll be able to go live, but we need to get the, the likes and the subscriptions to do that. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Honor. Just subscribe to the page, ring the notification bell if we ever do anything off topic or outside of our normal shows. It will show up on there. You'll get the notification. You can watch it, and you can like that too. And, of course, our Twitter. Um, Twitter, everything I do, has hashtag KOH, has hashtag uh, DAD. Uh, KOH for Kingdom of Honor, DAD for Dynamite After Dark. And that's the best way to find us and the best way to follow that guy over there at Zanman LOP and myself at Regi Co-op. So there's the plugs. Do your thing. Make sure you you tune to all the other shows here on LOP Radio, including this coming Saturday and Sunday, right after Wrestle Kingdom Nights 1 and Night 2 goes off the air. Jeff and I will be joined by Imp. We're doing a three-man weave uh, Aftershock show for each one. Really early in the morning, our time, really... And Imp, just so you know, the only reason I'm staying awake that late is for you. I, I just want you to know that, Imp. Wow, how sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can listen to Imp tomorrow night on Imp's LOP Radio Adventure. Um, you can also catch all the other LOP Radio shows, such as The Right Side of the Pond, on Fridays. Uh, you can catch us on... Every Monday next week, we'll be talking about Ring of Honor, uh, the ninth anniversary show, right, Jeff? Yep, we're going to do ninth anniversary show. This would normally be a free on pay, or this would normally be on Patreon only. We decided because the last two shows have gone long to give the give you guys this one for free. So it's going to be our Kingdom of Honor show next week is going to be recapping the ninth anniversary show of of Ring of Honor. Yep, so stay tuned so stay tuned for that just in just a few days here. And also, you know, keep track of like I said, all the other LP radio shows. Keep track of Lordsofpain.net and you can listen to all the shows for LOP Radio on the LOP YouTube channel as well. Like Jeff was talking about, you know, we there's a YouTube channel for LOP Radio, but then also there is the just regular Lords of Pain YouTube channel. And that's And I believe got. it. I believe Imp has his own YouTube channel too, doesn't he? I don't know. Possibly. I'll have to look into that, but I believe he does. And that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights. And Jeff saying... Goodbye. Goodbye.